Well, it looks like we wore out some people. Too many meetings, but it's good to see you all here. We had uh, it was a good week. A lot of you made the the whole week, as we said in the bulletin. There was a number of people who took vacation time to make sure that they could be here, and other people arranged vacations and trips and things like that around it. And we appreciate y'all doing that, and making it a priority to be here for all that. And uh, yeah, Ray made it out early. He was the first one of the first ones here. Now, Jim usually is, but Jim was feeling poorly in the beginning part. But then he got as soon as he got ready, he got right on out here. But Ray saved us on a couple of chances, caught something going on with the air, con- air conditioning and got it all taken care of before you all got here. That was. Uh... We're going to be over in the book of Matthew in the 25th chapter. There's a gentleman who came to his pastor and said, Reverend, he said, I only have one talent. So the pastor asked me, he said, well, what's your talent? The man said, uh, I have the gift of criticism. pastor thought about it for a moment, and then he answered the, the gentleman. He says, well, he says, the Bible says that the guy who got only one talent went away and buried it. Maybe that's what you should do with yours. <laughs> well, we're going to look at these guys today, these guys who have the talents, and we're over in Matthew chapter 25, verse 14, for the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Now I broke this up for you because I want you to see some emphasis that may be buried here and you may not see. But first off, it says in verse 14, that the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants. He called who? His own servants. He didn't call someone else's servants. He called his own. So whose servants were they? The man who's who's uh, traveling. The man who's with this kingdom. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. Whose goods were they? His goods. They were his own goods. He called his own servants and he delivered his own goods to them. He didn't deliver someone else's goods. He delivered his own. Now then look at the next verse. How did he give out the the things, his own goods? How did he give out his own goods? Each according to his own ability. Now if you see something mentioned three times, in two verses. Wouldn't that generally get your attention? But if Jesus made up this story and put the words in it that He wanted, you should really take note of this. First off, He called His own servants. He delivered His own goods to each according to His own ability. What do you think He's emphasizing here? (laughs) How about ownership? Ownership. There's an ownership of each one. Now, as we said, Jesus made up His own story. He can emphasize whatever point He wants to. He made up the story. So what does it say to you that He chose to emphasize ownership? I'd say it's pretty important. He's here emphasizing ownership. Now, I I wrote some thoughts down here. We're just, we're, we don't always think about servants and such, but we think about jobs. And we each have our own job and we each have our own employer and we each have our own place to go to work and, and they have their own employees and there's some ownership in there. So let me think, we'll, we'll put it to you this way. Thoughts that show you don't own the job. You just put in time. We're going to give you some thoughts. Because it, you can, I mean, some job is something you show up to all the time. Some people, they own the job. That's their job. Other people, they just show up. How many work with somebody who just shows up? Yeah. Well, here's some thoughts. And maybe some people around you have even put these out to to vocal words. But you'd you'd tell me you'd be the judge of that. How about never? Is never good for you? 
How would that be a good thought or a good, good thing to say to, to somebody? Would that show that you have ownership of that job? Probably not a good idea to say that, huh? I'll try being nicer if you try being smarter. It sounds like English, but I can't understand a word you're saying. Ah, I see the mess up fairy has visited us again. I like you. You remind me of me when I was young and stupid. I don't know if that person owns the job there or not. I have plenty of talent and vision. I just don't care. (laughs) I'm already visualizing duct tape right over your mouth. The fact that no one understands you doesn't mean you're an artist. This isn't an office. It's hell with fluorescent lighting. I like this one. If I throw a stick, will you leave? (laughs) Can I trade this job for what's behind door number one? Chaos, panic, and disorder. Yes, my work here is done. Here's a favorite. How do I set a laser printer to stun? I thought I wanted a career. Turns out, I just wanted a paycheck. Now see, those kind of thoughts, those kind of words, that means you don't really own that job. That's just, you're just showing up. You're just putting time in. What God is concerned about in this parable is people taking ownership. Because if you take ownership of a thing, you treat it differently. Think back when you first got married, first moved out of the house. Most people did not move into a home that they owned. They moved into a rented facility. Did you treat the rented facility differently than you treat your home? Probably. Most people treat it a little bit differently, don't they? I know. When I went to King's College, we we would consider King's College a rented facility. I didn't own it. If I did own it, I may not have had the shaving cream fights in the in the uh, hallway that we did have, though it did make the place smell good. I don't know that we would have played frisbee hockey in the hallways of home, but we did there. Boy, we had fun too. Hmm. I don't know that we would have pulled all the pranks that we had done, dumping gallons of water on people as they slipped, throwing M80s with powder bombs underneath. Or inside of people's rooms. That wasn't, I didn't do that one. That was done to us. <laughs> Unfortunately, they missed me and hit my roommate. <laughs> right underneath his bed. We were glad though it went underneath the bed because then it didn't go all over. But these are not the kind of activities that you do when you own the home. Most people don't set off explosives in their home if they own it. See, so there's a difference between ownership of a thing and just renting it. What he is trying to emphasize here in this story, in this parable, is ownership. His own servants delivered his own goods and gave each according to his own ability. So now we established what he's after here. Let's go after the next verse. Then he would receive the five talents, went and traded with them, made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. Well, the first man, he didn't go from five. We know from the end of the story, he got five. He gained five more. And so he has a total of ten. You don't go from five to ten instantly. How do you get there? As you trade, you go from five. Each one begins to, each investment begins to produce a reward or, or bring in things. You get up to six. You work your way up to seven. Maybe you have a setback. You're back to six and a half. Maybe you're up to eight. Maybe you drop back down to six and a half. Maybe you get back up to seven. And by the time he comes, you have ten. It isn't like he went away for a couple of days and came back and bang, there's ten of them. That's not how it worked. That took some effort. There were steps along the way, even perhaps backward as well as forward ones. That doesn't really emphasize, the emphasis here is not on the process that it took to get from five to ten. Just that there was a process, it did happen, and here are the end results. So they went and traded. 
Now, what does trading involve? What does doing business involve? Well, if you're going to make investments, if you're going to take money and make money off of it, generally, you have to first off do some research. You've got to research where you're going to put the money, what you're going to invest in, what you're going to purchase, when you should sell it. All these kind of things are, are necessary. If you're going to make a loan and collect interest on it, then you've got to research the person you're making a loan to, make sure that they're worthwhile, that they're not going to run off with your money. All these kind of things. Fannie Mae wasn't back there then, so you know you didn't have them ready to jump in. So you had to do some research. There was some risk involved. In order for you to gain, you must put something to risk. A lot of people want to gain something. They don't want to risk anything. We all have that lottery mentality. I want a million dollars and only invest a buck. That doesn't happen too often. But there is risk that's involved. But in the end, there's also reward. So there's research, there's risk, and there's reward. And this is what they have to do. If you're going to go out there and trade and to take that talent and multiply it and make more out of it, you've got to research the things you're going to do. You've got to be willing to take a risk and reap the reward. It does not involve being lax, lazy, or lethargic. People who are lax, lazy, and lethargic, they do not make money on investments. They're just trying to you know, barely get along. What do I need to get me by this week? If you're going to have this mentality and do what these guys did, these two, the one with the five, the one with the two, you must be alert, attentive, and active. Be alert, attentive, and active. That's the mentality that you've got to have if you're going to be going this way. So we have, two, we have these guys. One had five. He took those five and he, he made the best with it. He didn't sit around there and complain, Paul, I got five. How come I got more response? He only had two. I would rather have two. I don't like having five. If I lose, the downside is, is greater. I'd rather only lose two. I could lose five. He doesn't do that. He doesn't complain. The other guy doesn't complain. I only got two. How am I supposed to compare with this guy who's got five? I can't compare with that. We don't see any of that discussion. None of that is brought up in the story. If it was important, Jesus would have included it. But all you have is the guy who got five went out and traded with the five. I got five, I'm going to trade with five. He didn't go out with five and trade with four. He had five, he traded with five. The guy who had two didn't have, didn't trade with two or didn't trade with one, he traded with two. He used what he was given. He used his two talents to gain two more. The other guy used his five talents to gain five more. Both doubled. What each was given was the same. What each returned on the investment was different, but the percentage was the same. Then we have the fun guy. Here's the guy. Again, what is the emphasis of the story from the first two verses? Ownership. We'll show you that again here. Verse... Where did we leave off at? 20? No, we didn't get that far, did we? We're in down 17. And likewise, he who had received two talents gained two more. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid. What? What did he hide? His Lord's money. What does that tell you? He did not take ownership of this thing. He hid his Lord's money. He never saw it as his own. He saw it as his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents beside them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your, of your Lord. Now we're notice something that was mentioned two times. Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you faithful over many things. 
Roller. Roller. First off, God can't make anyone faithful. You have to make yourself faithful. God cannot make you faithful. You must make yourself faithful. You are the only one who can influence your faithfulness. No one else can. And if you hide behind the excuse that you're not faithful because of so-and-so or this or that or the other thing, you'll never reap the reward that's out there for you. You are faithful over a few things. Now, think about this. He said this to who? The servant who received the most. The one who received five. You were faithful. He didn't say you were faithful over many things. Remember, Jesus made up the story. The Lord said what He wanted him to say. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you a ruler over many. Faithfulness, folks, becomes rulership. If you want to be a ruler in the next kingdom, you must be faithful in this. There is no other way. It is your faithfulness that will transfer over. Of course, first off, you have to be one of His servants. But you wouldn't have gotten any of the talents if you weren't. He gave them to His servants. He gave them to others. You are faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also had received, he also would receive two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents beside them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Is there any difference in what he says to the man with two or the servant with two what he says to the servant with five? He says exactly the same thing. And yet the production was not the same. The one who produced five produced more. In fact, he more than doubled the production of the other guy. And he says to him exactly the same thing that he said to the guy with two. Isn't that interesting? Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. Again, he never took ownership of it. There you have what is yours. It was never mine. I just protected it. I just kept it someplace good, someplace safe. I just put it over here. So it's intact. It's exactly the way you had it. But the, if, the, if the master, the lord of the house here, if he wanted everything intact, he could have put it someplace. He could have put it in a vault or something. Sure is better than burying it in the ground. I don't think he's going to be too happy with this. But notice that the first two guys, you delivered to me. And then they came and delivered it back. So they took ownership of it. From the time that that Lord gave it to them, it was theirs. Until the time that the Lord came back. And then they came and returned it, plus all that they gained. Now, if someone were to give you $500,000, and they said, I would go out there, invest it, make some money, and when I come back, we'll settle up. So they give you $500,000 and after a long time, what would be a long time? I don't know. I mean, Paul said the Lord is coming quickly. <laughs> but let's just try and, and make long time a little bit less time than that. Let's just say, just for the sake of argument, that a long time is two years. All right? I mean, it's not a real long time. It's not a long time to Paul, but two years. So let's just say that somebody comes over and they deliver to you $500,000. And they say, do what you can with it. When I come back, we'll set it up. And you doubled it. from five, In two years, you went from $500,000 to 
to uh, to a million dollars. One million dollars. That's fifty percent increase per year, which is a pretty good increase. You know, it's better than putting it in the bank. The bank isn't going to pay what they pay you in the bank anymore. Percent? Something like that. I mean, it's, it's not much. So you made all that money. In two, you worked at it for two years investing that. You got a million dollars now. And he comes back and he wants it all. How many of you thinking, hold on a minute. I put a lot of my effort in this. Part of that $500,000 that I earned is mine. I want to keep some of that. But these guys don't do it. They understand that I am his servant. Whatever I do is for him. Whatever I gained is his gain. It's not my gain. It's his gain. It's all his. Not even the, the slightest bit of argument from any of them. They all just came on up and brought it to him. But alas, this guy has a warped idea of who his Lord and Master is. But Jesus judges him on that. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gathered where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. Now why does he bring this up? Doesn't this just kind of sit there and say, why in the world are we bringing up bankers? Especially now. Bankers are not popular. Right? Nobody likes bankers. Bankers are all out there trying to rip you off and take your money. I mean, that's what we've been told. Press wants us to all think that. You know, the bankers are just out there to rip you off and, and they're just doing horrible things. Who likes bankers? Why is Jesus bringing bankers into this story? When, when the Lord, the Master, gave the talents to the people, does the Lord, the Master, have any ownership over them? He's transferred the ownership to the servant, right? And the servants have completely taken ownership of it. So the first servant has five talents. He takes complete ownership of them. And when the master comes back, he gives over those five talents. The two-talent servant takes those two talents. He receives them, takes ownership of those two talents and produces two more, brings back four talents and gives the ownership back to the Lord and master when it was all over. But the guy who received the one talent received it in exactly the same way, but never takes ownership of it, takes it and buries it in the ground. Who owns it now? No one. Because the master doesn't own it. He gave it to the servant. And the servant hasn't taken ownership of it. So we have these talents that are buried. No one is doing anything with them. He says, if you would have put it in the hands of the bankers... At least someone would have taken ownership of the talents and used them. And gotten, I would have gotten something from it. Bankers would have gotten something too. They aren't my servants. I can't get the same yield that I get from you guys. But I would have gotten something from it. Someone would have taken ownership of that. The thing that, that is disturbing here to Jesus is he does not like things given out that are not received as ownership in an ownership way. He doesn't like that. He wants things to be received and take ownership of it. So ownership is huge. Again, we saw that in the first two verses and we see this here. This servant is being set apart as he does not take ownership of these things. And he is upset that that didn't happen. You at least put it in the hands of the bankers. They would have taken ownership of it. They would have done something with it. But as this it just sat there, He didn't like that too much. Therefore, take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given. And he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. Therefore, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, we've got in this present day, there's a huge thing on from government, press, all the way on down. Everyone wants to take and redistribute wealth. And redistribute, take from these guys who have too much and give to those who don't have so much. But, you know, there's certain people caught in the middle who have to take some of that. Politicians, they have to take some of that. You know, as they redistribute it, they must take some of it on their, on their own. 
How many of you were aware? I didn't get aware of it. I was a little little uh, behind on, on some of the things, but got caught up on, on stuff. I didn't find out about anybody dying until Saturday. But found out about some other stuff too, and unfortunately it was a little bit after the fact, and I, I couldn't have alerted you all on it. But how many of you all know that the cap-and-trade thing went up for vote on Friday and also passed the House? Now, how many of you have no idea what cap-and-trade is? I know this is worldly stuff, but it has, it has to do with you as a, in a spiritual sense as well. I only try and bring up these things that are going to have, a, have something to do with you in a spiritual sense. Cap-and-trade, folks, is where they put a cap on how much carbon dioxide a company can produce... And as they say, you can trade those rights to produce that much carbon dioxide amongst other companies. There is a fee and someone collects that fee as they trade those rights between places. It is incorrectly called cap and trade. It is actually cap and tax. What this is, is they have created a new tax. Are you all aware that this is a new tax? This is the most devastating tax a government could put on its people. If this thing goes through, it has now passed the House. Understand this. This is something. It, has a, it will have a harder battle in the Senate from what I am told. So we hope that it doesn't get through here. But if it gets through the Senate, everything you do will be more expensive. Everything that you do will be more expensive. Because any business who produces carbon dioxide will be taxed for it. Who pays a business's tax? It is estimated that this bill by itself will raise your gasoline at the pump 76%. It will raise your home heating oil 74%. If nothing else happens, no other market factors come in, it will raise it that much. It will raise your electric bill. You ready for this one? 98%. How do you like that? This is all because of this hoax, global warming, that has been out there for years and being pushed and so forth. So get on the phone, talk to your senators. A lot of the people in the House ignored the phone calls. They burned up the lines People calling in, mailboxes were full, uh, uh, the voicemails were full. But if they put this through and they get all this done, now I know that they were out and they were trying to p- pitch this thing and they were telling you that 1.7 million jobs will be created because of this bill. How many heard that figure? Did they also tell you about that 3 to 4 million jobs will be lost? Now, 3 or 4 million jobs, less 1.7 million jobs is a net gain of how much? It's a minus, isn't it? Yes, it is. If you want a modern day example, folks, go over and look at Spain. Spain tried this exact same thing of creating green jobs and it failed for them. They're now trying to dig their way out of it. Failed. Lost a lot of jobs. What it basically is, I heard this example put this way. That if you have, how many of you have a lawnmower at home? This has a spiritual impact. We're going to show you why this is. I'm just throwing this out here for you for no reason. You have a lawnmower at home? How many of you like that lawnmower? I mean, it does the job, right? Cuts the grass? Bags it up? Isn't too expensive to run? Now, what if they come down and they tell you that lawnmower you have, you've got to replace it? But you've got to replace with one that doesn't work as well and that costs twice as much. How many of you are liking this? No, you're not going to like that one. It's going to cost you more money. It's not going to work as well. But you have to do it. And because if, and if you do this, all these new jobs will be created for these people making this new kind of lawnmower. What happens in that scenario? Well, what happens to the people who made the old lawnmower? The one that worked better? The one that was cheaper? What happens to all those people? They lose their job. They lose their job. They're not telling you the whole the whole uh, impact of it. This is just a way to put another tax on 
on an economy that is right now struggling some. And if you do that, guess what happens to the economy? Now, that has an effect on you. So make sure you get out there and you call them. Don't just let it keep on going. Find the people out. You know, everybody's representative. All representatives are passed. You now have to call your senator. But find out who your representative was. Find out how they voted. And if you like the way they voted, call them up and tell them. If you don't like the way they voted, call them up and tell them. Let them know. You've got to make sure that you do that. You need to be faithful with the things that you have. Don't just, uh, don't just let that go. But you see, this is, this is huge. Because will this, will this impact your life? Now, if the government is able to tax that much and increase your expenses that much, what do you think it's going to have an effect on? What will it have an effect on? How many of you folks, when the gas got up to $4, began to have an effect on where you drove? See, they already figured that out. They already got up that high and they already figured out $4 is about the breaking point for America. They already want to get it back up there. Our government, current government, in there now, everybody in the house and so forth, they all want to get it back up to $4 if they have to artificially through a tax. But they want to get it back up to $4 because that will force you to buy the smaller cars that they all want you to have that they do not want to have themselves. Make sure you get on out there and tell them. Because how how many of you made all those trips last, last week out here to church and it wasn't a big deal? If gas goes up to four or five dollars a gallon, how much more is it going to be a bit, bit more of a big deal? Getting on out there to church, especially some of you folks come a little bit of a distance. You got to be, well, you know, can I can I do that again? And then if you do do that, and you use some of your extra income to to you know fill up the gas tank and coming out to the meeting, how many of you would that would impact how you bless the guest speaker? Yeah, I can do that, can it? Now, of course, we all want to say, well, let's just look to God and believe Him. Surely we will. But have the foresight to see that something's going to come along trying to attack your, your pocketbook, trying to come after you in that way. Have the foresight on it. and Go after it. Don't get discouraged. Don't get all down in the dumps about it. Say, dear Lord. You know, sometimes we all just want to say, dear Lord, come now. I mean, these folks deserve the tribulation. Come and get them. Come and get them. They deserve it. I've been in that boat before myself. But it's misrepresented. Go out there and do the search yourself. We're, we're again going to have people who are voting on a bill where stuff has been added in last minute, hundreds of pages, and no one has read it. There has been stuff, I heard of a few things that have, already sli- that have been slipped into this bill. Unbelievable the kind of control that this will have on you. Unbelievable the kind of control that this will have on you. Don't let this go on. So call them about that. And if I hope some of you folks have, have learned, do not put the medical stuff in the, in the care of the government. I'll tell you, it's, it's, the stuff I've already heard about this, we'll get into some other time. Usually on Wednesday nights, I try and dig into some of that stuff. But it's... You, they may be telling you, you can pick your doctor and pick your health plan, but you will not be able to. And I can prove it to you. It's proven to me. It will last for a few years. And after a while, it will all go away. And you will have what is given. And you will have what is approved. So beware. But these guys took these talents. They took what they had and they used it. They didn't hide it. They didn't hide it. Folks, we face things like these government regulations, like these government things that are coming up. And how many of you think they, they seem awfully big? I can't fight that. That's just, that's big. That's too hard. What do you want to do? Just run and hide from it. Don't, sometimes don't you want to just run and hide from it? I mean, if I don't know about it, it surely can't hurt me that bad. I just want to run and hide from it. You cannot run and hide any more than this guy could hide his talent and, and hide from the... The Lord is coming back. The Lord is coming back. These things are going to affect you. And they're not all going to affect you the way the media is trying to tell you they're going to affect you. Understand. How many of you all know the media is evil? It's evil. Evil media. Don't not believe what they say. They're evil. Keep them off. 
You don't need that stuff. There are other places you can get these, get the news and things that you want. But he has to face this music. He had to stand before the, the Lord. And he had to say, Lord, here's your talent. I didn't use it. I hid it. I kept it, kept it safe for you. And I hid it. I never took ownership of it. I never took ownership of it. There's a whole lot of things, folks, we have not taken ownership of. Some of you have not taken ownership of just the, just what we're talking about, just the legal procedures, just the government procedures, just the voting procedures. You have to take ownership of it, whether you hide or whatever. Take ownership of it. Get out there and find these things out. Know what you're supposed to be doing. But how many of you know that God has given each one a talent? And I don't just mean talent and money. They already talk on talent and money. God has given each one something. Do not raise your hand on this. Inside hands. The one you raise on the inside. You raise those ones. Inside hands. How many of you would say right now, I am not using what God has given me? How many of you would say, I have not taken ownership of what God has given me? I put this in your outline. I wanted you to get this clear as, as possible. Well, we skipped over part of it. Before we get into that, we'll get one back to there. The one who buried his talent in the ground, is he mindful of its use? Is he mindful of the use of that talent? No. Is he attentive to its development? Is he concerned of its well-being? When I picture this guy putting the talent in the ground and burying it, he's out there in his hammock, enjoying the sun or the shade, wherever he's at. He's not concerned about that talent. He's not concerned about not using that talent. That talent is just what it is. But the ones who are will see their talents increase. You must take the talent, the thing that God has given you, God has put on the inside of you. You must be mindful of its use, attentive to its development, and concerned of its well-being. Mindful of its use, attentive to its development, concerned of its well-being. You should be doing so. The first and second servant took delivery on the talents. We know that the second guy did not. But they delivered back all that they gained. Now we put this over here in the, in the end. Too many Christians own nothing of spiritual value. Too many Christians, they own nothing of spiritual value. They may have been given things of spiritual value, but they do not own it. They have not taken possession of it. You can talk to people about natural talents they have. They've taken ownership of that. You can talk to them about a job that they have. Maybe they've taken ownership of that. But have you taken ownership of what God has given you for His kingdom? Have you taken ownership of that thing? Or is it just something that's around? Here's the part I was going to get to. Many Christians, they do ministry, but they don't possess it. This describes way too many Christians. They do ministry, but they don't possess it. Jesus is not just talking about people who had talents and went out there and did some things with it. He was talking about people who took the talents and they owned it. They possessed it. This was theirs. When you possess that thing, you get fire about it. You get some fire about that. You know, I talked to you about some of these political things. You know, we try and keep the... Uh, the sides out of as much as we can, but I get passionate about this because this is a country that God has given to each one of us. This is a country of people from all over the world who came together to make a nation built on freedom to worship God, built on freedom to pursue a dream, built on freedom to live in a place and to get along and to accomplish a purpose. This is a country who was given men who formulated a document that is so rich with wisdom. And yet in schools today, when was the last time your kids in schools, school were even read or taught anything about the Constitution? 
Let me ask you guys, when was the last time you read it? I know it's good to read the Bible. But you know what? God gave us that. He gave us this country. And He created what in my mind is the greatest country ever to have existed. We are the only country, I've told you before, we are the only country who has liberated other countries and set them free. We are the only country who has conquered aggressive nations and rebuilt them. We are the only country who comes to the rescue to the degree that we do when nations are in despair. We are the country that nations all over the world look to when disaster happens. We are the ones who kept the aggressors at at bay. We are the ones who did that. God raised us up to do these things. And our ability to do this much longer is certainly becoming in question. But you know what? I get passionate about our Constitution. I read my Constitution. I know what it says. And I know when it's under attack. And our Constitution, folks, is under attack. But you've got to understand this. It is not just the Constitution is under attack. Our Constitution, folks, is under attack because our Constitution was founded on Bible principles by men of God who put in there the ability to worship God freely. And the only way that our government can stop that is to tear down our Constitution. And if they tear it down enough, they can get out freedom of religion. And they've already gotten at it quite a bit. It started being torn down a long time ago. And if anything, the last couple of years, it started a long time ago and has been going, being attacked ever since. And religious freedom has gone by the wayside as well. Prayer in school, what happened with that? Kenny had the Ten Commandments now up on a, on a um, judicial office. It's coming under attack. It's the Constitution that was formulated in this country to protect it. We need to rise up and defend it, but you've got to know what it is. But you also got to take ownership of what it is that God has given you. Don't be so casual about the things that God has put in our possession. God has put in our possession the greatest country, in my mind, the greatest country ever. I think it's just a fabulous country. I've never seen a country that gave so much and asked so little. Yeah, we had our problems and we had our things that we had to work through and glory to God, we did. And we got past them, some of those things. And I'm glad for that. But now this country is putting into sights Christians. And the people that have more freedom in this country and more say are the people who live immoral. Immoral lives. And this shouldn't go on. We need to stand up and we need to fight and we need to let our voices be heard. Now back over here to the, to the topic. Take ownership of what God has given you. What talent has God given you? Well, God hasn't given me what I wanted. What I wanted was to do that. I can't do that. No one will let me. I'm not talented enough. There isn't the opportunity. All these. How many things have you heard like that from people? All this kind of stuff is out there. Let me tell you what. The Word of God says that the gifts of God make room for themselves. It's a paraphrase, but it's basically what it says. Your gift will make room for itself. If you have it. If you walk in it. If you are diligent with it, your gift will make room for itself. You cannot cover it up. Can't do it. The only way that a gift from God is covered up is when people do are not attentive with it, are not faithful with it, then it gets covered up. Then people don't do the things with it that they should. They just do ministry. They don't possess it. You know, we've been after people to, to possess it. One reason I was talking about Ray this morning, Ray, Ray has a guy who's taken possession of the ushering ministry. And I appreciate that. And I do have to recant my, my I said before, he is not the worst usher in the country. <laughs> he has moved up. <laughs> he keeps reminding me of that. Anyway. And I didn't actually say that, but <laughs> that's all right. I rip them right back. But, you know, there's a guy who shows up early, makes sure everything is taken care of and gets all that stuff done. Jim's a guy who's taking possession of his ministry. He shows up here every day at 7.30, 7.15. He doesn't know if there's a whole lot for him to do. And if there isn't, he sits over there and he reads and he prays and he gets ready for the service. 
And if there's stuff I have for him to do, I just put it over here and Jim does it. That's a man who's taken possession of a ministry. You go over that with others of you too. People have taken possession of a ministry. You know how you can tell when you take possession of a ministry? You really care about how it's done. You really care about how it gets done. You are concerned. If you are painting a room in your house, how many of you paint it differently than if you're helping out your neighbor? I mean, would some things be okay if it was your neighbor's house? <laughs> but it's my house. It's my, it's my house. It needs to look better than that. Now, it shouldn't be. You should be able to take possession of anything that you do. But I'll tell you what. Things that you own, things that you have possession of, changes you. Take possession of what God has given you. Whatever it is that He's given you, take possession of it. Make it yours. Until you do, you're going to be like the guy who took his talent and buried it out somewhere. And just, well, I'll wait for a more opportune time to you know, get that thing going and develop that. I, I don't really need this talent. When I get this talent over here and I get this ability over here, then I'll move in there and I'll go ahead and do... You can't do that because the guy with five couldn't say, well, you know, as soon as I get seven, I can make this investment and then I can really make things pay off. As soon as I get seven, I'm, I'm just going to wait. Wait till I get seven. He didn't do that. He took to five and built up to seven and then he could do the things he had with seven. And then he kept building on that. He could do the things he had with eight. You've got to use what you have. When you use what you have, it multiplies and more comes in. But you've got to take possession of it. And it doesn't have to be the most spiritual things. I was in one church serving and they had a, I think I told you this story before but we, we had a lock up now it wasn't lock up in the church in that church wasn't as easy as locking this one up this one is locking two doors maybe three if you got the other one over there but you got to you know, bang the latch over here lock two doors and you know make sure everything's off and that's about it but this church that we had we had doors all over we had windows all over and certain youth like to, to go out there and, and prop things open so they can come on back later on and get in and they were fooling some of our deacons you know, when they took it over, they didn't know how to how to go about and do all the different things were there. So I just, you know, I, every once in a while, I would get in there and I'd take the rotation on it. I made sure when I did it, there's never a door that was open. Nothing was ever undone. I, I made sure. And I started hearing, you know, so-and-so, they were doing it. This one wasn't, wasn't checked and this one wasn't done. So I just went in there one time and said, you know what? I'm here later than all you guys anyway. I'm just going to take that over and that'll just be my ministry from this point on. I will make sure the church is locked from here on out. Whenever there's a service, I will lock it up. And you all don't have to worry about it. And I took ownership of that ministry. Because I checked every thermostat. I checked every light. I checked every room. I checked every door. I went around. And you can bank on this. When I locked up that church, it was locked up. No one but God was getting in there. you got to take ownership of it. It doesn't have to be something spiritual. You can take ownership of cleaning up the parking lot. It's my parking lot. Dirt does not belong on my parking lot. It's mine. This is Sunday. It's my parking lot today. You can take ownership of that thing. You can take ownership of whatever it is that you do. I'm, that's mine. I will make sure that it will look this way. It will do this. and It doesn't have to be teaching and prophecy and gifts of the Spirit and stuff like that. Anything can be that. And as you use that ministry, it multiplies. It becomes more. Too many Christians, they are doing ministry. They don't possess it. Get beyond just doing a ministry. Learn to possess it. That's mine. That's mine. That's mine. We have a story of the chairs we had from the last last time. We, um, You all know I get passionate about chairs. And I, I like the church to be set up a certain way. And sometimes y'all just throw up your arms and, well, we can't get it right. Sometimes y'all try to set it up and it just didn't look right. just was not there. And I'd come on in and I'd do this, that, and the other thing and we'd get it to, you know, me there. So Ray took it up this time. He says, I think I've got it. I've mapped it all out. So I said, all right, I'm leaving. <laughs> so I left, came on back in, and sure enough, he, had a, he did a good job. Got it all going. But that's what you want. You want to take possession of the thing. Say, no, I'm going to have this thing going on. When we get done to salt meeting, 
Who is in possession of the ministry to make sure that the tables and chairs are put away? Brother Naz. Like I even tell it to He's going to take care of it. Because he is in possession of that. He wants to make sure that the chairs are put away in such a way so that they are not hurt. The tables are put away in such a way that they are not hurt. And that everybody can get to them when they need to. Take possession. Take possession. Some don't because their focus is on the ministry coming, not the one they are in. Too many times people, Christians have been caught up in this. I want to do this ministry. I'm just doing this to buy time. I'm just doing this to show something. And I'll tell you what, you can show people some things in some other areas of ministry. But you may not show them the right things. We've had some people in this church, we've given ministries over to. We've given things over to. Here you are, take it and run. Go. And you know, it's time to set up for that ministry. I can't make it today. Well, alright. We've had it sometimes that People are supposed to be in charge of a thing, showing up for a thing, doing a thing, and not there half the time. Well, what do you want to do with that? Well, you've got to get somebody else in there. You've got to be able to rely on them. And then they want, well, why don't you give me this one? Why don't you do this for me? No, you've got you to demonstrate yourself as faithful. Some don't because their focus is on the ministry coming, not the one they are in. Don't ever do that. I'll tell you, don't ever do that. When, when God called me, I knew He called me to be a pastor of a church. But along the, long, along the way, I got to take up being a youth pastor. I took possession of being a youth, youth pastor. I loved being a youth pastor. I even told God through it. He says, God, if you ever want to change your mind and say, Steve, don't become a pastor, just stay a youth pastor, I'll be happy. I'm fine with just being a youth pastor. I'll be a youth pastor the rest of my life if you want. I'm okay with that. Don't get your focus on the coming ministry. Focus on the one that you're in. Other people say, well, I just haven't found anything that I'm interested in yet. Can you imagine the guy with five talents? Five, whatever, you know, measure of money. Got the five talents. And he has an investment out there. And the guy says, you know, one talent over here will produce this. If, you know, we can get this going. We get, well, I'm not real interested in that. And then somebody else comes up and has an idea. I'm not real interested in that. And someone else has an idea. I'm not real interested in that. What if he never got interested in anything? Would the five talents have become ten? You know, it might be that sometimes you have to invest into something like a cat toy factory. Even though you don't like cats. But, you know, you got to invest in some things and so you might have to go out there and invest in a cat toy factory or a flower shop or something along those lines. You have no interest in it. It's all right. Some of you say, well, I'm not going to do that parking lot ministry. I have no interest in dirt. I have no interest in, in parking lots and brooms. I don't, I'm not interested in that sort of stuff. All right, we got this ministry over here. Hey, but no, I'm not, I don't want to do that. I want to do that. No. I just haven't found anything I'm interested in. Once I find something that I'm interested in, I'll get involved. Don't hide behind that. Don't listen to people who, who use that either. Now, here's the big one. If I had a yellow star, I've been having a hard time getting my yellow star to fit in on these things. But, put a yellow star next to it. This is the principle, life principle right here. Remember, we are not building our kingdom. We are building His we are not building our kingdom. We are building His. If you have a job and your boss comes to you and says, I need you to do this, do you say, you know, I'm not real interested in that. Don't really want to do that one. Nah, I don't, not liking that. Now, nah, can you have, you have something else you want me to do? I'll, I'll, I'll pick on something else. You know, what, what if, you know, you sit, y'all work in a Hospital. A lot of people work in hospitals that are going to church here. You work in a hospital and they have a patient down in room 232. In room 232, they say, I need you to go over there and do this and this for room 232. I don't like room 232. Can you get so-and-so to do that? I'm just not real interested in doing that with that person. No, that's not going to help, is it? 
No, you got to have you you got to take on you got to adapt the interest of that employer. You have got to adapt the interest of the one you are a servant of. We are servants of the most high God. We are building his kingdom. So his kingdom comes first. And we've looked around, we've thrown out things for folks to do. And you know, we don't have as, as many ministries. We can't get a real specific. We cannot have a, you know, a, 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 a river rafting ministry. Some of you might be invo- interested. We had a river rafting ministry. We don't have that one just yet, but you know, maybe down the road we can get that. But in the meantime, you've got to find something to do, something to get involved with. So get out there and, and find some. We've thrown some things out there to you. To, to do and been trying to work on this one just in, even in the website how many know there's still parts of our website we talked about that at the salt meeting not going yet not working yet we need people to take ownership of that and say oh, I'm going to make sure that's not the, that's the way it's going to be postcards our goal was one postcard a month how have we done with that I haven't got there and I, we don't want it all to go into one person we got Enough people in the church that if you know you, you can get twelve people on that group, and one person take one up a year, and be thinking all year about their postcard, what they're going to do, what they're going to emphasize, whether it's a special day, a holiday, a special series coming up, whatever it might be. But right now it's you know it's, it's basically been you know one, two, three people are working to get them all ready. You know we're out those one, two, three people. That's not the goal. Goal is to get more people. Well, I'm not interested in postcards. Well, get interested. You got a better way to get people out there to find out about things? Come up with it. Let us know. We're working some other ones too. We got to take ownership of the things that are going on. We need to be faithful with what God has put in us to do. We need to be prayerfully faithful. We need to put our effort in there and be faithful. We need to put the whole thing have a go because how you are with what you have is how you will be with what you get. That is where it will be. How you are with what you have is how you will be with what you get. We told you before back when we were looking at patterns. How many of you have a pattern of behavior with your car. Back seat always looks this way. Front seat always looks this way. I mean, you know, if you get a new car, that pattern will catch up with you. And pretty soon the new car will look like the old car. Whether that new car is spick and span or not. It will look like the way your old car is. Because patterns, patterns repeat. Get faithful with what you have. Take ownership of what you've got. You folks have been doing the visiting ministry. You've been taking ownership of that ministry. And that's good to see. We need people who are going to jump on up here and get more folks involved with even the toddler ministry and take ownership of those kids. Those kids learning is something you've taken ownership of. You're not just doing toddler ministry. You are taking ownership of toddler ministry. You see new people coming to church, you take ownership in making sure they feel welcome. You get to know them. Take ownership of the thing. Going back on this week and read over this story again, and read over it again from the standpoint of ownership. Jesus is concerned about ownership. He owned the thing that He gave you. He gave it to you, and He wants you to take ownership of it. That is His concern. Don't just have the ministry. Own the ministry. Don't just look at what you've been given by God. Well, that's His. I'm just, you know, he just, I'm just holding it right now, but that's, it, that's really His. Now it's yours. It's yours. What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do? How serious are you going to be with it? Take ownership what God has given you. Would you all stand up? Father, we want to be faithful and seem faithful. We want to hear those words. Well done, good and faithful servant.
you have been faithful with a few things, you will be ruler over many. Father, we want to hear those words because we know that those words bring joy to you. You're looking for faithful people. We want to be among those faithful people. We want to be those that you can count on. We want to be those who take ownership of what we have been given. We want to see what your kingdom needs and take ownership of that need. Father God, that's not your need anymore. That's my need. I'm taking that on. I see that that needs to be done. I'm going to make sure that no one will ever have to think of whether that will be done again. It will be done from this point on. I will be faithful to building the kingdom of God. Father, we thank you for the help that you give us. You give us wisdom. You give us insight. You teach us things as we are faithful in those ministries. Oh, we look forward to the things that you teach us because you're getting us ready for the things that are to come. Thank you for the help that you give us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.